So for a while now, my usual, my usual process when I prepare a talk is to is to write it out and then make a PowerPoint. Today, yesterday, I did the PowerPoint first and then thought it was done and forgot that I hadn't actually written anything out. <laughs> Which is a wonderful thing to remember at five in the morning. <laughs> Somehow I fell back asleep anyway, which is kind of good, uh, in one way. <laughs> but then by the time I did get up and started writing something out, I only got halfway through. So if you notice a shift in quality partway through, <laughs> through the talk, it's probably related to that. I'll just get you to help me when I, when I get confused, then you just chime in and, and make more sense than I do. But it does seem like we're all on, on one page, uh, both Jess and Mariah mentioned that when you're bringing out a theme like like joy, when we have a lot of things that are hard in our minds, it's hard not to put the two together and realize that we have to uh, not pretend our way to joy, but to do what I'm calling open-eyed joy today. Joy with eyes open. I'd actually planned to talk on trust before I checked into the themes for Advent and realized I was meant to be talking about joy, but then I thought they're kind of related. There'll be some trust integrated along the way. Because I, one of the points that I do want to make is that I believe joy requires trust. I think we have to trust enough to let joy happen, to let it draw us in. But the other main point that I want to make today is that we do need to have joy with our eyes open that the type of joy we're invited to this Advent isn't based on denial, but a joy that makes life worth living in spite of all the obstacles and all the challenges and all the realities that are around us. The kind of joy that can inspire us to live well with love and generosity in the midst of, of all that life throws at us. So, because I left most of my preparation to the last day yesterday, I thought I'd do a quick study of all of the references to joy in the Bible. <laughs> Obviously this was not a very detailed study, because there are a lot of references to joy in both Testaments. But I started, you know, as one does in the, in the Old Testament. I kind of wanted Isaiah or Jeremiah because um, I figured they'd give some reliable joy-filled passages that would seem Adventish. But I found a major problem. Almost all the references to joy in those books are, are associated with returning to the land. Lots of mentions of Zion, which is a word I'm having a lot of trouble with these days. I just can't go there. The whole theme in the Bible of returning to the land, of returning to Zion, is being so grossly misread that it is literally helping to fuel genocide in Palestine. And for me, this morning is not the time to reclaim what returning from exile is meant to be about in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Because I just don't feel like I have the heart for that. <clears throat> Sometimes I think that we simply uh, are not to be trusted with ancient spiritual texts anymore because we just don't know how to read them without making them a little worse. But I'll leave that rant for another day because that's not a very joy-filled rant. <laughs> but then I went to the New Testament, had more luck. <laughs> Here are the main associations that I found as I looked through passages about joy in the New Testament were the joy that we experience when someone turns their life around, 
like in Luke 15. Oh, I wrote about somewhere. This is the part now that's been a little dodgy. Are we halfway through already? No. There were more dodgy bits than I introduced. Do you want to just read it off there? I, I do, but then then I'm all sideways. <laughs> we like your profile. It's a lovely profile. <laughs> okay, Luke 15. This is, you know, the prodigal son. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels and of God over one sinner who repents. And there's a lot of references to that, you know, when something lost is found. The kind of joy that comes in relation to that kind of turnaround of one's life. We also see another theme is the beauty of joy that transforms people in the midst of hard times, like in 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia, for during a time of severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So joy can, can work in us even in the midst of afflictions, even in the midst of very hard times, and make us generous even uh, in the way that we're able to give in the midst of that kind of time. And of course, there's the joy that's associated with new hope coming into the world, or really any time that the presence of Christ gives new hope and peace lighting up a dark space. It's associated with joy. So those are the, the three examples that I seem to see over and over again in the New Testament as places where we, where we find joy. And these themes seem a lot more relevant right now. But the question is, uh, can we do it? There certainly is a lot going on. You, you may have heard, I think Andre may have mentioned it last week, that the Christians in Palestine, sorry, not, uh, well, in Bethlehem in particular, have pretty much canceled Christmas uh, in the way it's normally celebrated there this year. This picture is a picture of baby Jesus in the rubble, and it's a desperate plea by Palestinian Christians to give attention to Gaza, not Bethlehem, saying if you want to look for the Christ child, don't look here in the churches, look in the rubble of Gaza and please stop the violence. So that's, I think, the first time that's ever happened. Uh, even, in, and they've certainly been familiar with violence before, but never anything like this. You also all know the struggles throughout Canada, even here in our little town where an unsheltered man died a few weeks ago. There's also the ongoing denial of the dangers of our mistreatment of our planet. And there's just all the ways in which we keep letting the systems that we've created, systems like capitalism, consumerism, nationalism, militarism, to probably add a whole whack of mortisms, just keep oppressing us all. And how can we have our eyes open to all of this stuff and still celebrate joy? I think this is where we can say, yes, it is still possible. I think there's a lot to be joyful about when someone turns their life around. And so another story from Andre last week, he told me that uh, he was sharing a possibility. He said, you can arrange for these two guys to do um, a, uh, an online uh, meeting where a Palestinian man and an Israeli man will get together and share their experience of, of loss and suffering 
and how we can talk about these things and learn from each other and make peace instead of violence. And the, the Israeli who's a part of that is a former uh, officer in their army who just saw what they were in the middle of doing and just couldn't bear it anymore and quit and ended up joining others and, and uh, helping start this nonprofit. So when someone like that turns their, their life around, I think you can certainly see lots of cause for joy. I think there's still lots of chance for joy in the midst of hard times. And it's good that we remember that this happens, as, as just mentioned, even in the midst of uh, the darkest of days, we can thank our, the pagan friends who taught the Christians maybe there should be a celebration in that time, so they chose Christmas, the, the time to celebrate the birth of Jesus, to be in the middle of those darkest of days, which is uh, a pretty good time to remember that hope sometimes comes with lots of celebration, but also grows very slowly, and we see the effects of that light coming in the world. Uh, worth a lot of joy, and yet still requiring lots of patience to see it all work out in our lives, and I think that's what we see. You know, we have to we have to not wait for the transformation of everything to have joy. We have to see those moments where light and joy and peace enter in and, and know that this can grow into something very different and life-giving. So I think those things are all possible. Now, now we're starting to get very close to the disconnect between my notes and the PowerPoint. Let's see what the PowerPoint says. Joy that can enable us to, to give, even, even when times are hard, because it's always better for us to be in a spirit of giving towards each other rather than trying to, to hoard and protect, even if we don't have much. And the trust that I talked about. How have you fared when it's been hard and you tried to muster up joy? It's not easy, right? It's not easy to to uh, put on a happy face. What was that? Was that an old jingle? What was that from? What was, yeah, what was the product? Oh, Kool-Aid. Was that Kool-Aid? Put on a happy face? Yeah. Well, what was the product? What were they selling? They must have been selling Anyway, completely wrong. I just want to know. Downtown? Yeah. Okay. Just that makes you that gives you joy. Well no, it's not a really bad mood on it because when she's spelling out go downtown, how can you not <laughs> Now I would never do it with anybody else in the house. Maybe that's what they knew. Right. So when you're alone and can blast music that gives joy. At Petula Park is one of the ways you can do that. You can also downtown. Unfortunately, it's not much of a downtown in California. So it's better. It's better if you're at home listening to the music, imagining Petula Park downtown rather than walking the streets singing. Okay. It was a song by Dick Van Dyke. Okay. Put on a happy face. Okay. But it surely was a jingle too, no? Wasn't it? Anyway. It doesn't, you can tell this is where I'm, like, my notes are gone. <laughs> 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 Definitely needs so much help from you now. 
And obviously this was meant to be an object lesson of trust, because I have to just trust that this is going to end well, in spite of everything. But it's hard to muster up joy, because if, if you're mustering against, against the wind, it's going to be tough. It's so much, at the same time, whether it's thanks to Petula Clark or something, it, it just springs up in us sometimes, if we let it. Why don't we let it more often? I think there's things that get in the... Oh, are we actually playing Happy Face now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought maybe you were going to play Dick Van Dyke for us. That's what phones are for. Get your phone out on her and get that up on the screen. Okay. See, this is what happens when you ask for help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm appreciating the help. So, then I start to go, okay, what gets in the way of joy? Like, how come sometimes it starts to bubble, us and, uh, bubble up in us and shut it down and just doesn't go anywhere, and other times it just can escape? Like, yesterday, I'm not always happy when I decorate the tree. Yesterday I was. Yeah. And I think it was because I thought I was finished with my sermon. I wasn't. <laughs> or, or maybe it's because maybe it's because the their tree was a gift from uh, Tony and Meadow. They uh, they invited us to go out to their property and uh, come on down, which was an adventure. Um, but we brought one home. You know, it was the kind of tree that you find when you go out into the woods rather than a farm. But someone told us about like drilling holes in the trunk and you can just take branches and stick yes. them in. You, like you've all known this for years, but we have. Ah, amazing. It, it works incredibly well. Right? So I think that's partly why I had such a, like it was such a good time making a little Franken tree. It's, like, it's, it's got a whole bunch of Big branches, but they look as good as the real ones. <laughs> that was good. But it doesn't always work. Sometimes we shut it down, right, when joy tries to, to respond in us. So, like, what, what is that about? What makes us shut down joy? What makes us close to it? Do you know what gets in the way? Fear. Fear? Okay. Embarrassment. Embarrassment, yeah. Feeling like it's inappropriate. Okay. And I, yeah, I thought of even that inappropriateness when it comes to some of the hard things. Like why it's hard to mention joy in church, talk about it. It's like, well, like what about the unsheltered? What about Gaza? What about all of the things going on that, that makes it hard to just fully open to joy? But of course, we, we know that grief and joy are meant to be mixed. And actually, that, I actually don't think that's the hardest part because we, we see people being joyful at funerals all the time. You've, you've seen that happen, right, at funerals, where people start sharing memories of the people they've lost and start telling all these funny stories. Gratefulness for memories. Gratefulness for yeah. those memories. Yeah. And, it, and we know it makes sense to have joy and grief all mixed together, those kind of times. For me, I think it's, it's what, I'm in, what I've called work mode, you know, the time, pressure, heavy responsibility feeling. That is such an anti-joyful feeling. It just, you know, time pressure was here. My wayward thing. I think it might be. Oh, it is the next slide. Excellent. This is something I came across yesterday. So, 
Some of us on the, on the Leaders Collective have realized uh, that time pressure is the enemy of life in general. Um, Satan. Um, is that too strong? <laughs> I think it's close. Anyway, so, so we found this phrase, which is an old phrase from... Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard. And so someone wrote a book about it, the guy who did that blog post uh, uh, that, that apparently I mentioned in a sermon five years ago. And, uh, and this phrase is the ruthless elimination of hurry. This was Dallas Willard's advice to a young pastor asking about how to be spiritually healthy. And he said, you have to ruthlessly eliminate all hurry from your life. And he goes, okay, that's good. And what else should I do? He said, no, that's it. Like, ruthlessly eliminate all hurry from your life, and you'll probably be good. It's, and I, I'm a believer in this, because I think time pressure is just so messes you up. And then I was looking online and found this, and isn't that great? It made a high-speed reads version. PowerPoint tools, putting those red things yeah. all over. There's a little joy in that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no notes, I'm just, oh, this is just me you now. It's going so well. We're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that, that resistance is 
telling you that. Okay. And maybe joy would spring up more naturally mm -hmm. if you just actually let yourself sink into the reality of what's really hard and painful. And okay, I'm hearing a both and thing going on here. Yeah. But yeah. somehow, sometimes, <coughs> letting ourselves sink into the thing that we're resisting can actually be the way to get to joy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I think... Ray, you got that? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think sometimes I think we are blocking ourselves from feeling any, any of our authentic feelings, and we think the block is a feeling, but yeah. it's not. It's a block. Okay. Like the thing that's holding on to the thing that's upsetting us is not actually feeling the thing that's upsetting us. It's the holding. And if we allow ourselves to be upset, we'll also allow all of the other authentic feelings that are there. Like, I think one of the things that blocks me from feeling joy is not feeling like whatever's going on in the space is allowing me to be authentically myself. Right. And if I can be authentic, then those things, then, then, then whatever feelings are there can, can, can begin to grow. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I think Scott the Painter got us there at the start of our talk today. Did you hear that long list of yeses from from Scott as, as Mark read them earlier because we're saying yes to it all, right? To like to all of the authentic stuff, to the things we're resisting and the and the joy we're saying we're saying yes to it all. And wow, the the trust that it takes to say yes to all of those things so much better than blocking it all. Any, anything else gets in the way that anyone else wants to mention? I feel like maybe yeah. it's just exactly what I said, but uh, trying to control for me is like the biggest thing. And you think I'd be better at trying to go, but, but that's essentially what Renata was saying, especially just like trying to hold on to my sadness or trying to force this joy. Yeah. Like both of those never really work. Yeah. And I seem to just like double down and try harder, but it's only that where you just kind of give up. Yeah. <laughs> it's you not you just letting whatever happens happen. So you're not feeling like your grief needs to have more quote unquote value, or feeling like your joy has to be more you know substantial. But you can just experience what's happening right. when you're not trying to. So being in control is another one of the enemies of, of joy. Yeah. Because you're not going to probably, uh, you know, plot it all out. I'll be joyful between 130 and 140. It'll be amazing. I'll put off my tulip mark. <laughs> okay. But we're probably not going to script it all. I mean, and this seems to go back to um, what was one of the first things said, right, about fear. Um, that, and, and, and it also reminds me of... Is that Mark or was that Scott the painter who who said that thing about not showing up as your true self? Scott the painter. Sorry? Scott the painter. I was, yeah, Scott the painter. So like so that's one of the main things to say yes to is being your 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 whole self with all your mistakes and mess and glory and 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 if we were more okay with that and trusted that, probably have more joy. And more pain. <laughs> yeah. I just have a little interesting thing that seems to relate. Um, I started following, as maybe many others did, 
uh, on Instagram some press in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, members of the press, Palestinian people reporting, lot like, you know, live streaming or reporting what's happening. And uh, Bizan, I think her name is, or that's her last name, or first name, I forget her other name. But um, she often has really intense, sad things uh, that she's saying or showing. Um, but then there was this one post in the middle where she was like, oh, falafel. And she was walking around, I don't know, some kind of camp or something, you can see other people around, and she said, people here, are, they, like, we have the chickpeas and their hand grinding them and they're making falafel, and there's nothing like a great, and she was just so happy and talking about this delicious food that they were sharing together. And I had an incident of being like, what? She can't just like take, it. like, it was crazy that I was like, why is she being so happy? Why is she posting this? And I was like, wait. Find, find moments of beauty and joy in the midst of yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah, we need to, we need to do it, right? It's natural and good. I know one of the things that impressed me years and years ago was in the book uh, City of Joy, the book that was written about um, the area of Calcutta that Mother Teresa made famous. And the book wasn't particularly about her so much, but it was about the uh, what life in that area was like. And, uh, you know, the, the, the most incredible poverty you know, starvation level and all kinds of illness. And the story is told about the feast time coming around. And it's so important that they have the clothing and the stuff to do this feast that they go without all kinds of food. Like they could easily sell the garments for these special things and have food for a long time. But they don't because the festival is the point of life. Like, what's the point of, of having the, the meal if you don't actually have the time of celebrating? And it made a huge impact on me when I read that. And so it's like this too. Like it, people who are in the middle of the very hardest things still need their joy. They still need their moments of enjoying food and enjoying each other, even in those hard times. Yeah, Laura?
go, so I visit her kind of at the nursing home. We don't have a nursing home in Cowles, but so I go and visit her. So I hope you guys get this. I probably So anyway, so um, I went to visit her yesterday, and she's 93, and she's sharp as a tack, and she's pouring water into her. She has to have oxygen, but she needs like a, a thing to make the air light or to make the oxygen work well. So she's pouring it in there. And, and I started when I felt that about that. But so she goes, so she's um, she's on the outs with her only daughter. And so she said, could you do me a favor? She goes, I'll write you a check for it. She said, can you go to Walmart and sometime soon and get um, distilled water? She goes, it has to be distilled water, blah, blah, blah. So then, um, so later in the day, I'm driving, I'm thinking, oh, shoot, put it on the list, go to Walmart, get, just get and distilled water. So then I went to the food pantry, okay? The food pantry has the normal stuff, like beans and stuff that you see every week 100,000 times. I walk in, and there's a freaking shelf filled with, guess what? Distilled water. Distilled water. I was so embarrassed because I said, there's two or three people there working on it. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and I, I looked at them, I said, who cannot believe in God? I mean, I've never, I've worked in the food pantry for three years. I have never seen distilled water there until yesterday. Awesome. So, I mean, it's like. A God incident. <sighs> so, Meanwhile, did you fall back to sleep at 3 15? No, because my son and other, there's other problems in my family. But I'm trying, and I, I gotta tell you, um, Rachel brought up that um, thing at the, the kinship thing that she had. And she had gotten it from you, the ruthless elimination of a uh, hurry. Man, I'd like to learn more about how to do that because I'm up at 315 worrying about still water. <laughs> but you're sharing it with us now. Yeah, and I was thank you. I swear. <laughs> no, you should have. I mean, it, uh, obviously, you might have slept better if you decided to tell us. And then yeah. it would have all been... But it's just proof that God is there. I mean, like, what a cool thing. <laughs> And that also was cool. I don't like the rest of my PowerPoint, so I think we'll we'll wrap that up. Plus, like you all know all this stuff. We just we just need to all do it together, right? To to trust uh, letting go of these things and uh, uh, feeling it all and being as vulnerable as Scott the painter invited us to, following the example of of Jesus. Um, Mighty God who needs to get his butt wiped. Yeah. Did you say butt? Sorry, did someone miss that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was imitating Will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there, Willem said, is the word of the day butt? Which is, like, have you ever known Robert Munch? Like, if you want to add joy to a children's story, all you have to do is add the word but to the story, and it's filled with joy. <laughs> so obviously that was right on target. We need something to help us end well, and I think I'm going to look to Ray. Is there any chance you could do that second song? <laughs> oh, sorry, it's just because you let out on that one. Yeah, Hidden Brian. We all good? Can we do the second song? Sure. <laughs>
Go in peace and joy.